So good to be with you today. Are you glad you came to church so far? Amen. Good to, good to see you. I, I, think I'm, I think I believe you when you say that. Anybody here ever served in the military? Anybody in the room? Raise your hand way up high, way up high. Hold, the, hold them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service in the military. I, when I was uh, back a long time ago, when I turned 18, by the time I turned 18, um, they weren't drafting anymore. But I remember we had to, and if you didn't want to end up in the military, you had to go down to the post office and fill out some paperwork. And I remember I made a beeline when I turned 18 to go fill that out. But I've never been, I've never been in the military, but I am in the army, and so are you. We are in the Lord's army. We are, we are people that are in a warfare, and we are in this, and right now we're doing a, a, a study right now on these uh, next few weeks about spiritual warfare. And uh, last week we began it. The title of the series is Storming the Gates of Hell. And where that comes from are the words of Jesus where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it or to stop it. And the gates of hell are not, are not the advancing force. The gates of hell are not what are coming against us, but rather Jesus is building his church and as the church is being built, it expands and it extends the life, the love, the power of Jesus Christ everywhere it goes. And Jesus says, as I build my church, hell will not be able to stop it. And so really, we're the advancing force in the earth. And we are called to go forth and really to take back what the enemy has stolen. To take ground, to, to get our full inheritance and to do all of this for the glory of Jesus Christ. Because it's not about us. It involves us, but it's not about us. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ and His plan and His purpose for our lives. And so that's the title of it. Now last week we talked about having an attitude for the warfare. We needed to, you know, every once in a while, I need to get kind of, um, you know, renewed in my military mindset. Because... I don't know, man. Battles, they take it out of you sometimes. You know, it's really hard sometimes to go through the battles of life. But we are in a warfare. And by the way, let me just say this. You don't have to go looking for warfare. You are in a warfare. You don't have to go looking for battles. They're, they're just there. You're in it right now. You're in it. And um, so we're talking about having an attitude. Last week we talked about that. Today, however... I want to talk about your assistants or your allies in this spiritual battle. Now, anytime a nation goes to war, it's really good to know who your allies are. It's really good to know that you have some allies that are working with you. Somebody, you're doing what you're doing here, and your allied forces are doing what they're doing from their end, and it's a cooperative effort. And we have this in the spiritual warfare that we face in our lives. And it's called angelic warfare or things that are going on in the unseen realm, in the invisible realm, uh, where there's a war going on between 
uh, basically, if I could just say it this way, angels and demons. And I know that sounds like movie stuff, but I want to tell you, Hollywood didn't make this up. God created all of this. He didn't create demons, but I mean, they, he created angels and some fell and they fell into their, into that d- demonic realm. And so this is what we're going to be talking about. And for starters, I just want to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. These are the words of Paul. I want to remind us of what he says there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So Paul is letting us know, going back to that verse, he's letting us know that we are in the middle of a warfare and we need to be armed and dangerous and ready because there is a devil. We are all, there's, there's, he has wiles, he has plans, he has schemes. Going on to the next verse, Rich, and he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And here in just a few moments, I want to come back to these verses and kind of break them down. But to give us a sense, what Paul is saying here, we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle in heavenly places. It's not in the earthly realm where our real battle is, but our real battle is in the heavenly realm, the unseen realm, the invisible realm. So we have that going on. But it is in the, in the earth, but the real battle is in the unseen part, right? So I want to go, now I want to go back into the Old Testament, and I want us to look at a verse of Scripture, a couple of verses, out of Second Kings chapter 6. And it, this kind of picks up in the middle of the story, which I'll explain in a moment. It says, and when the servant of the man of God, and the man of God he's referring to here is Elisha. When the servant of the man of God arose early in in the morning and he went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he's gripped with fear. He sees that they are surrounded by a military force, the Syrian army. And this is what Elisha said. The next verses. He said, he answered, he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with, uh, than, than those who are with, I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me start again. He said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he prayed. Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray that you will open his eyes that he, that he will see. Lord, open the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots all around Elisha. So when he opened his eyes, he not only saw the Syrian army, but more than that, he saw the angel army of God surrounding the Syrian army. His eyes were opened and he saw. In other words, the angel armies of God were there the whole time. Amen. So, Father, I want to thank you for your word. And our prayer today is your kingdom come. Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us today our daily bread, the the bread of life that comes from your word. 
Help me, Holy Spirit, to just share your word and bring to light, Lord, bring to light to every one of us, God, the truths of your word for us today, wherever we are in our life, whatever battles we're facing, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, this is war. Go ahead and tell them that. So, there's planet Earth, and then there's the atmospheric heavens that go off into the stratospheres, the various stratospheres and ionospheres and all of those spheres, you know, out into the, the vast outer space. There's planet Earth, there's the atmospheric heavens. Then there's what the Bible calls heavenly places. And then, of course, there's the heaven of heavens where God dwells. And it's the relationship between the heavenly places and the earth that I want to talk about. The unseen and the seen. The invisible and the visible. The immaterial or the spiritual realm, if you will, and the material realm. This is what I want to talk about today. And I want to remind us... Again, that's just a real simple, quick synopsis. When Satan fell, the Bible tells us that war broke out in heaven. And when that happened, earth became uh, basically the fight site of this spiritual warfare. That what happened in heavenly places plays out in the earth. Consequently, all of the death, the dying, the hurt, the pain, the abuse, the brokenness, the hatred, the wars, the rumors of wars, all of that stuff that's going on is directly traceable to the spiritual warfare that is going on in places that you and I don't see with the naked eye, with the natural eye. It is a reality, it is happening, but we don't necessarily see it. And it's important for us to realize that what goes on in those unseen dimensions, in, a, in those unseen realms, manifests in the lives that we live in our day-to-day life. It's going on all around us. But also with that, I want to remind us and hopefully encourage us somehow today that not only is what, go, what, what is going on there affect what is going on in the earth, it's equally important that we understand what goes on in the earth from our point of view affects what's happening in that unseen dimension. And there's a cooperative effort. There's an allied respectability and force that is happening. There's the church, the the church of the living God and what God is doing in us. But there's also this angelic realm, this this these hosts of heaven, the angel armies of God that are working. And we're working in tandem, one with each other in this thing called spiritual warfare. And this is why I read the story out of 2 Kings chapter 6, because in that story, the king of Syria, which represents the forces of evil in the earth, the king of Syria was basically upset with this prophet Elisha because he knew every move he was making and was warning the king of Israel. And, but he, was, he never showed up in any of his strategy meetings. But he knew what the king was doing, Because he lived in that world, he lived in that dimension, he lived with that understanding. And so he would prepare the king of Israel for the Syrian attacks and plots against him. And the king of Syria got really upset with this prophet because he was, 
He was, uh, you know, letting everybody else know his plans. How many of you know that the devil's getting really upset with the people of God? When you know what's going on, when you're really in the game and your head is in the game and you really know what spiritual warfare is all about and that there's an unseen dimension and you, and you begin to head things off at the past, it, the enemy really gets upset about that kind of stuff. And so the Syrian king sent his army, found out where the, this prophet was living. He found out his home address. He found out the city that he was dwelling at. And he sent his troops to go and surround that city and, and potentially take that prophet captive. And so he did. And then the next morning, as we read here, his servant got up. He saw the army. He be, became paralyzed with fear. Now we have, one cho- we have a choice. We can either be paralyzed with fear or we can take our position of authority. So... The servant was paralyzed with fear. And the prophet said to him, young man, don't worry about this. For there's an army that is with us that is greater than the army that is against us. And then he turned to the Lord. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see like I see. Let him see what is going on in the unseen realm. And and so his eyes were opened. And you can... Listen, when his eyes were open, he saw the army of Syria there still. It wasn't like they disappeared. But what he didn't see before, he now sees. That the army of God's angelic hosts are all around the armies of the enemy. Hallelujah. And it was like a picture that God wanted us to see. And in this story, I really believe the Lord wants to open our eyes to the unseen warfare that is going on. And to step into that. And to know that our battles are won, not just in ourselves or by ourselves or of ourselves. That our battles are won when we work in tandem with what God is doing in the heavenly realms. So this is, the, this is the word that I want to share with us today. So when it comes to this unseen battle that you and, you and I are facing, and the battles you and I are facing, they are, in, they are first and foremost coming from an invisible, unseen realm. And we need to be aware of this. If we don't remember this, we're going to get lost in flesh and blood. And we're going to get confused by circumstances and the material world and the stuff that goes on. We've got to get our head in the game in this. And so as, as it comes to this unseen realm that we're dwelling in, number one, we need to resist the forces of evil. That's the first thing that I want to talk about here today. Now let's look at, e, uh, at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Let's look at this word. Paul said, put on... The whole armor of God. I got, I got to just see something. Oh, you guys should see. Well, don't turn around and watch this one. But this screen back here is flickering. The red is flickering. And it looks like there's thunder. Like, uh, this is really, this is really cool effects. Unless that's just my eye. Is that really doing that back there? The TVs do that? You guys are seeing it? Man, this is Hollywood stuff right now. We're nailing it with this one. This, demonic activity this this here this is boring look at look at the tvs anyway (laughs) paul said put on the whole armor of god everybody say whole armor i I look forward to the day we're going to talk about the armor of god you can come on wednesday nights and the youth are going through the armor of god so you can get a double dose if you want to so put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil now Look at what he says in verse 12. 
The next verse, he says, for we do not wrestle. Everybody say wrestle. That word wrestle literally means what it says. It means to to grapple with another person, an opponent, and you're, and, and literally it comes from a Greek word, balo, which means to throw or to cast down. So Paul is saying, we are not throwing or casting down against other people or, you know, just flesh and blood in general, but we are throwing about and casting down. There is a wrestling going on. And the purpose of wrestling is to take the other person and to get them down and to pin them. That's the purpose of it. Paul is using a term that the people of the time would understand about wrestling matches. And he's saying, we are like in a spiritual, this spiritual warfare is like a wrestling match. There's a lot of throwing around, a lot of casting about. We're involved, but it's not with people. But he did say we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now what I want to do in the next couple of minutes is I want to break that down because just like God, when God created the angelic realm, he created them with rank, authority, and purpose, and, and there, there's, a, there's a line of authority, and there's, and there's purpose and intentionality in God's angelic army. Well, when Satan fell, and the fallen angels went with him, they became, as it were, the demonic hordes. Now, there are some people that disagree with that. I don't want to get lost in this, but there are some people that believe that fallen angels and demons are separate entities. And uh, there are some people that believe that demons are actually the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that were all killed at the flood, and uh, they only feel comfortable when possessing people. Does anybody, does that interest you? Anybody like that kind of stuff? I have no idea if that's the truth, but it was fascinating reading. And, uh, but at very least, it appears that fallen angels in the demonic realm, they are the demonic realm and certainly work in conjunction with that realm if they're not the demons themselves. But here's the point I want to make. There, there are levels of authority of the forces of evil in the earth today. And this is what Paul, so let me break this down. Let's first of all talk about principalities. Everybody say principalities. Prince of palities municipal, places of authority, prince. Prince is a governing authority of a location. Principality speaks of geographical or territorial areas or regions. Satan has rulers that oversee these various areas in the earth today. We see this in Daniel chapter 10. When Daniel was in prayer and fasting for the nation of Israel, and the angel came on the very first day that he began to pray, but there, there broke out a war in heaven to try to withstand that angel from getting to Daniel with the answer. And he told him later that while I was, while you were in prayer, the prince of Persia, he wasn't talking about the king of the Persians, he was talking about the principality, the demonic realm, was trying to withstand him from getting through with the answer. And there are, there are regional demonic forces over the earth today in various places 
that sometimes you can feel it, you can see it, you can sense it when you move into certain cities and locations and different places. There are, there are, uh, Satan has a kingdom of darkness established in the earth. And this is the kind of stuff that we're dealing with. And we need to be aware of this. There are principalities. And then he said there are powers. Let's look at that word for just a moment. Power speaks of demonic powers, of the, the power to bring bondage in people's lives, the power to build up strongholds in people's thoughts, the power to get people to lock into addictions in their life, the power to manipulate emotions and thought patterns in people's lives, and ultimately not just oppress people, but if, if given place, the power to possess people. This is real stuff. This is what we're dealing with. This is what Paul is talking about when he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This isn't merely human problem and dysfunction that we got to try to fix among ourselves. Yes, we need to fix things among ourselves where we are dysfunctional with each other, but we need to know what's behind it all. We need to know there's a demonic set up, a kingdom of darkness set up, a principality trying to rule in whole regions and territories and will bring power to bear upon people's soul if given place. And then he talks about the rulers of darkness. And rulers of darkness, think of it this way, rulers, leaders, influencers of darkness. Leaders or influencers with godless agendas. Darkness, godless agendas are the darkness we're talking about. We're talking about things like the godless agendas in our educational system. The godless agendas in our political system. The godless agenda in entertainment and in culture in general. The rulers of darkness, bringing darkness to bear in all the rulers, the leaders, the influencers, and there's demonic hordes, there's demonic realm, influencing leaders and influencers in our society in dark, godless agendas. And all of this comes to bear upon you and me personally. And then he talks about spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. When we talk about spiritual wickedness, the word wicked literally means to be twisted. It's twisted spiritual ideas or truths. Spiritual wickedness in high places are the deceiving, deceptive, twisted work of the enemy in things like the occult or cults. They almost look Christian, but when you investigate and dig a little bit deeper, you find out Jesus isn't Lord of all. In some religions, they believe that Jesus is basically the spirit brother of Lucifer. Well, if he's the spirit brother of Lucifer, then he's not Lord of all. And I don't care how good you appear to be to all of the other world, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then then then. Then, you, then you're not truly a Christian. I don't know any other way to say that. 
I was trying to, oh, Tim, say it the nicest way you know how. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus was God, is God, come in the flesh. He's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's not on equal ground with Michael, which is another kind of cult that's out there that is propagating this kind of stuff. This, this is demonic. And what I'm saying is, is the subtleties of this are in the warfare of the enemy wanting to confuse our understanding of things to where we don't know who we are and we don't live in the reality of who he is. And it's war. Amen. This is what we're resisting. This is what we're up against. We need to resist the forces of evil. This is what's going on. But I want to, this is where I want to come today. I just want to remind us all, we're not alone. We're not alone. There is the angel armies of God that are working with us. And so in this unseen battle, we need on the one hand to resist the forces of evil. This is what we're up against. But number two, we need to release the angelic forces of heaven into our world, into everywhere we go. Now, I want to talk about something because this is going to sound a little bit crazy, this idea. What do I have to do with angels and all this angel talk? And, and well, let me just say, it, to be honest with you, I, I really kind of struggled with bringing this message because I know I don't want to, I don't want to come off like a TV show touched by an angel. I don't want to come off like I'm, you know, like some kind of weird person talking about angels rather than God. But I'm, I'm going to talk about what the Bible talks about. Do you know that angels are talked about in the Old Testament a little over a hundred times? Get this, in the New Testament, a hundred and eighty times in the New Testament. So this angel talk that we're we're talking about here, this is not to highlight angels or to make angels something because if you read the book of Hebrews the very first thing he addresses is making too much of angels and so I don't want to make too much of angels but I don't want to make too little of the fact that they are a reality and they are relevant to our life today in the earth and that there's a place in our warfare that again they are an allied source they are assisting us in this warfare we are not alone but not only is it that they're assisting us but what we do on our end of things helps in the unseen realm and this is this is the point i want to get to this is what i really want to talk about but let me just kind of lay some groundwork here for us so that we don't get confused about it angels let me just say these a couple of things angels are created spirit beings they are not they were not eternal, but they are everlasting. And so they are not God, but they are good. Angels are good, and the angelic realm is good. Uh, Colossians, Paul said in Colossians 1.16, he said, For by him, that is by Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Jesus, and they were created for Jesus. The invisible realm, the visible realm. The, the angels of heaven were created by Jesus, for Jesus. Not only are angels created spirit beings, but they are 
powerful, and they are glorious in nature. They're superhuman in their ability and in their appearance. Almost every time when someone in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, even the uh, Apostle John, when he encountered the angel in the book of Revelation, his tendency, his inclination was to bow before this angel. And I would propose that probably if our eyes were open to an actual visual appearance of an angel, we would almost immediately want to bow because, because of, of, their, of their superhuman appearance and, and the power and the glory that they manifest. But we are not to bow to them. And by the way, let me just say, you don't need to know the names of your angel. If, you, if that's a thing. And we don't need to worry about, we don't need to talk to your angel. You talk to God, God talks to the angel. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? I'm trying my best to cover all my ground up here. So, but angels, angels are powerful and they're glorious. But I want to say something. They are not all powerful, but they have power. They are not all knowing but they carry the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God to us. They are not everywhere present, but they can get wherever they want fast, apparently. So those are just a few things. But here's another thing. This is what I want to kind of zero in on. Angels serve specific functions as God assigns it to them. Some angels apparently are worshipers, and that seems to be what they do. They worship in the presence of God. There are other angels that apparently are sent on assignment to, for various reasons. Then there are some angels that appears that are warring angels. That's their function. That's what they do. They, they're, they're in this battle. And, and this is what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says. Are not all angels ministering spirits? Are they not all ministering spirits? He's talking about angels sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. So what that verse of scripture says is that angels were made by God for God and they serve at the, at the behest of God. They are at the ready to do whatever God wants them to do on our behalf. For you and I. When it says there, for those who will inherit salvation, he's talking about you and I. Those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has his angels at the ready to move on our behalf. To be there. God, open our eyes to this and help us to see clearly. And so what I want to do in the next couple of moments is I just want to talk about how we can live in such a way as to release the angelic forces of heaven for our benefit. That's what I want to I talk about here in the next couple of moments because it's a cooperative, it's a cooperation. It's a we're doing our part, they will do their part, and there seems to be in Scripture some things that if we're walking in this, there is a release. We, we don't need to worry about enlisting the angels. We just walk in a certain way, and God will dispatch them on our behalf. So the first thing is this. You ready for this? Pray with desperation and faith. I want to show you a verse of Scripture. Matthew 26, verses, verse 53. Jesus said, do you think, do you not think that I could pray to my Father 
and that he would provide me with 12,000 legions, 12 legions of angels, I should say. Jesus said, do you not think, or do you think that I cannot now pray, everybody say pray, that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Look at that verse of Scripture. Now, Jesus said that because they were coming to take him away and crucify him. And he just wanted them to know that you don't have the power to do this. You're doing this because I laid my life down. How many are glad that Jesus went to the cross and won the greatest victory for all of us? He was willing to not call on the angels because he said, if I wanted to right now, I could cry out to the Father. And on my behalf, he would send legions of angels. And you wouldn't have any chance against me. God would provide the power resource by merely crying out to him in prayer. And things would happen. But Jesus had a greater battle that he wanted to fight and that he wanted to get the victory over. And so he allowed himself to go through that. But I wanted you to see this scripture because I believe inherent in those words are an understanding that when God's people pray, God dispatches angelic forces in our favor, working with us in the various battles and crises that we go through in our lives. And we need to know this, and we see this throughout all of God's Word. I already talked about da Daniel chapter 10, but let me just real quick go back over it. Daniel, he's praying, he's fasting for the nation of Israel, and while he is praying, an angel is dispatched on the very first day that he begins to pray, but in the process of that coming with the answer, there broke out a war in heaven because hell doesn't want the answers of God to get through. And this is a lesson to you and I. Don't give up when it doesn't happen right away. Keep praying because there's warfare going on. <laughs> Satan doesn't want us to experience the answer that God has already got on the way. But in our prayer and in our fasting. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I'm like one preacher, I said, he said, I hate fasting because it always seems to go so slow when I do it. It's a long day when you fast. But in that fasting and prayer as he was fasting and as he was praying, that, that the angel is letting us in on, in your fasting and prayer, you didn't, just, you didn't just get God to respond to you with an answer, but it was in the midst of it that I was able to come through with it. How about Hezekiah? King Hezekiah was surrounded by the Assyrian army. They sent a letter to him, and they said, we're going to destroy you. And Hezekiah goes into the presence of God. He lays that letter down before the Father, and he says, okay, God, this is your problem. And the Bible said that night the Lord sent an angel and wiped out 185,000 Assyrian troops. And now I'm going to tell you, the enemy comes against us to such a degree that it feels like the force of 185,000 are hemming us in. But the prayer of one man, desperate, 
faith-filled, fervent, moved the hand of God to dispatch and release the angel army of God. And it was just, it appears it was just an angel. An angel. God just sent out, he said, I could do this with my pinky. And he did. How about in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 12, James was martyred. They grab Peter, they throw him in prison. And it appears as though Peter's going to be next. And the Bible says, and it's very clear in the way that it writes it, Peter was in prison, but the church was praying. Come on. Peter was in incarceration. Peter was in lockdown. It looked like there was no hope. It looked like the end of the line for Peter. Peter's in prison. He can't get out of this himself. He can't beg his way out. He can't force his way out. He can't break through the bars in his own strength. He's in prison. He's in lockdown. But the church was praying. And the Bible said that that night, and I love the way it says it, it's almost comical. The angel comes in, strikes Peter on the side, says, get up. It's like, really? Do you have to strike me? Can't you just rock, gently rock me? My dad, the way my dad woke me up from sleep and the way my mom did it were two different worlds. But God sent an angel in accordance to the prayers of the saints. And there are things that may, it may feel like we're not making any headway. And we're in lockdown. And it seems like we're being shut down and locked down and closed down. But church, if we pray, come on, if we pray. And so I just want to throw a, a gentle challenge out there to you. Make it a habit in your every day to spend time in the presence of God. Get into your closet place and pray. Pray over your home. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your children. Pray over this church. Pray over this city. Pray over this nation. And whenever the church calls for a prayer meeting, don't be afraid to show up. I know it's boring. I know it's not the fun stuff, but it's the important stuff. Because God... The, the, the angel realm, the, the, the special strike force of angelic forces is released when God's people pray. So let's make it a habit in our life to pray. Another thing that I, I want to just say, how we release angelic forces on our behalf, are when we endure severe times of testing and trial and temptation. And I want to read a verse of Scripture. It's found in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. It says, The angel of the Lord who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Now, when Israel was being led out of Egypt, God didn't take them the easy way. He took them the hard way. And they went through a, and this was going to test their faith. And this was going to, this was going to, you know, this was going to make the difference of where they were going to go in their mind and in their heart with God. And God led them to the Red Sea. He hemmed them in on the mountains either side of them. And the army, the Egyptian army was coming up behind them. And it was a spiritual warfare. It was an attack. It was a testing. And they were led there 
by the angel of the Lord. God wanted them to go in this direction. And when they got into that place, the Bible said the angel that led them to that point went around behind them and became, along with the, the uh, cloud, a kind of a wall, a rear guard for the nation of Israel, protecting them in this warfare, in this test, in this trial. And I was thinking of that like, you know, when you and I are going through tests in our life and trials in our life, the last thing we need to do is give up and quit and drop out and disappear. Amen. Because the God who led you there can keep you there. Amen. And the angel will come around behind you and will be your protection. The angel will be dispatched if you and I will endure in the testing. I see this in the life of Jesus. On the front end of his ministry, he spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness fasting and praying. The Bible said, being tempted and tested of the devil. But when he endured, when he resisted the devil, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Over that 40-day period, Jesus resisted him. Eventually, the Bible says, and Satan left him for a time. How many of you know that it's always just for a time? He'll be back. Come on, turn to somebody and tell him, the devil will be back. He'll be back. It says he left him for a time. And here's what the Bible said. And an angel came from heaven. And ministered to him. He endured the testing. He endured the hardship. And God sent an angel as an encouragement and a strength to him. And we see this at the end of his ministry too. Though when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was in anguish. And the Bible said he, 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 he cried as it were drops of blood. He was in anguish. He was surrendering He was surrendering himself to the Father's will. And the Bible said when he finally got up from the prayer, an angel came from heaven and ministered to him. And I'm just, I guess I just want to encourage us all in this room today. When you're in a place where it's a hard place, and and the one thing I hate about battles and the one thing I hate about wars is they seem to last too long. I mean, we've been, we've been in this Middle Eastern crisis for way too long, right? And, but that's a lot of, that's, that's war. But I want to tell you something. If you'll endure, God will send His angels. There'll be strength there for you. And this is why I think it's important. I love what Hebrews 13.2 says. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels unawares. You don't know how God will come through and when he will come through. Anybody here ever had an encounter in your life and you're like, are you an angel? Like, Come on, anybody here ever had that? Three of us, two of us? And then you talk to them long enough and you discover, no, they're not an angel. <laughs> I thought maybe. You, don't, you never know how God will show up. You never know. Even maybe in human form. But whatever he does, 
If you and I will endure the time of testing, patiently endure, God will dispatch his angels. Here's another thing that I see in the scriptures that help to release angels in our, in our battles is that if we boldly witness for Christ. Jesus said, I want you to notice something interesting. Jesus said in Luke 12, 8 and 9, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will also confess before his angels. Or, yeah, before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Have you ever read scripture and you thought to yourself, why did he say it like that? When I read that, I was looking at it, I was like, what, what does that have to do with anything? Jesus said, whoever confesses me, whoever witnesses of me, whoever proclaims me boldly and clearly and personally, that person I will bring confession and, and proclamation about before the angels. But whoever denies me, who, whoever refuses to confess me, whoever doesn't declare my name before others, that person I will not talk about before the angels. Man, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Our witness of Christ, or lack thereof, is an issue that involves the angels for some reason. I wonder if it's something like this. You, you can chew on this. You can, you can see what you think about this. If I fail to witness for Christ, if I fail to proclaim Christ, perhaps it would be that there is no angelic assistance on my behalf when I need it. Jesus said, I will confess you. If you confess me, I'll tell my angels about that. But if you hold back about me, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to hear about you. And I wonder on some level if we, see, I guess the point I'm trying to say is the way, the choices I make and how I live determine the interaction and the assistance that I receive in my, in my daily battles, in the battles of life. And so, I think this is really important that when we stand for Jesus, Jesus in his angelic force will stand for us. And the place that I see this the clearest in is, is in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, it's a great chapter of the Bible. i got to hurry. In Acts chapter 5, the church is growing. There's revival in the church. Things are happening. Um, this was the chapter, it says, where they, they would put sick people out on the streets and just wait for when Peter went by, hoping that just the, the, shat, the casting of his shadow upon their sick bodies would raise them up. And people were raised, and there were people that were getting saved, and the church was growing, and things were happening, so much so that the enemy didn't like it. How many of you know that the enemy doesn't like our progress, any progress we're making? So get ready. You're making progress. Don't get too excited. The battle's coming. And the spiritual leaders didn't like what was happening, so they took the apostles and threw them in prison. And they're trying to shut them down. And they're trying to keep their mouth closed. And they're trying to get them to stop preaching about Jesus. 
and extending the kingdom of God in the earth. But the Bible said that an angel came into the prison that night. Here it is again, many years before Acts chapter 12. And he, and he walked them right out of the prison. And he said to them, now go to the city center and just speak the words of life. And when the enemy tries to shut us down, and we have the boldness to witness for Christ. How many of you know, you have to, it takes boldness to stand for Jesus in today's culture. Amen, Tim. I'll amen myself. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some fortitude of heart. Because... Again, flesh and, it manifests in flesh and blood, but that's not the real enemy. And that's not the real battle. That's just how it manifests. The real battle is the forces of evil that are trying to stop the will and the kingdom and the purpose of God from going forward. But if we'll have boldness of heart, even though they may shut us down for a time, I believe, God, he will reward our boldness with visitation. And suddenly prison doors that seem to be locked will just, they won't be a problem. Things that were a hindrance somehow will get around that. And God will bring it through. But there has to be a boldness on our part. Psalms 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and he delivers him. Hallelujah. Come on, is that true or not? And then this is my final thought about releasing angelic warfare on our behalf, and that is we... We, we must commit to the will of God for our life. Whenever we make a commitment that we're going to go after God's will and purpose, I believe that we can be assured of the assistance that is always going to be there for us. The scripture I want to bring to your attention is Psalms 91, verses 9, 10, and 11. Psalms 91. This is familiar to a lot of us. Here's what it says. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in how many ways? All your ways. Wherever you find yourself in the journey of your life, here's what he's saying. If you've made the Lord your dwelling, if he's your refuge, if the Most High is the place where you abide, evil will not overcome you. Doesn't mean you won't face evil. You're going to face evil. You're going to come under attack. There's going to be affliction. There's going to be deception. There's going to be crisis in our life. But he says you will, you, it will not befall you. In other words, you will not fall into it. You will not be overcome by it. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. We live in a plague-filled society even right now. But we believe that God, there is divine protection available to us. 
for he shall give his angels charge. Isn't that interesting? Why didn't the Lord just say, I, and I'll just keep you? Well, here's how God keeps us. And I don't know why he does it this way. But he has chosen in his economy to establish an order in the unseen realm. They're called angels. And if we are with God, God is with us. And he dispatches his angels. He gives them the charge over us to keep us everywhere we go. And in all of our various ways, he will keep us. But listen, this comes to people who commit their way to the Lord. Surrender your life to the Lord. This isn't a TV show, Be Touched by an Angel. This isn't you finding out the name of your angel and having a buddy. We're talking about talking to God, and God talks to his angels. Amen. Knowing God, knowing that God will dispatch. And I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul who committed his life to the Lord in such a way. There was a time he was on a ship on his way to Rome to testify and the Lord told him, if you read the story, the Lord appeared to Paul in Acts chapter 23 and told him then, you, just as you stood before all of these people in Jerusalem and you testified of me, you are going to go to Rome and you're going to testify of me there. But on the journey, on the way, he got on a ship that he knew wasn't a good idea, but he was out of control. In other words, he, he wasn't in control of his own life. People were making decisions for him. How many of you know we live in a world that people are making decisions for us? Come on. We're living in a world where we don't have control, absolute control over our whole life. But if you commit your way to the Lord, God will keep you. And the Lord told him, he says, you're going to testify of me in Rome. But I'll bet when he was out in the middle of the ocean in that ship, and everybody on board that ship thought that the ship was going to go down, they were throwing tackle overboard. They weren't even eating. They were so frightened and terrified. Paul, I, I, bet, I bet there was a moment in his own mind where he wondered, is this it? But listen, it wasn't it because God had told him, you're going to go to Rome. It looked like he was going to go down. It looked like that there was no hope. But along that journey, when it seemed, and, the, and what I really believe is hell was tr trying to come against him and keep him from going to Rome because, man, from there on, the, the expansion of the church as we know it today. And so, somewhere on some night, when that ship was being tossed and torn, Paul stood up in front of everybody and he said, everybody, calm down, be okay. Let's all have something to eat because an angel of the Lord stood by my side tonight and said, we're going through. We're going to lose the ship, but we're not going to lose our lives. Anybody here willing to lose a ship or two in your life? You might not, you might not arrive on what you thought you were going to arrive on, but it's not your way God will keep you in all your ways. He'll get you there. It may not be like you thought it was going to be, but he'll get you there. And I'm just trying to tell you here, we're all in a battle. We're all in a warfare. And the enemy wants to try to take us out of the game. And he wants us to kind of relent and give up on God's call and God's purpose for our life. But now's not the time to do that. Because if we'll be committed to the Lord, he's committed to you. He'll see you through. Amen. Let's all stand together. I hope this made sense to you today. The point 
being. Lord, open our eyes to see. Right? Lord, let me see. There's more going on than what's going on. Church, there is more going on than what's going on. And we need to get encouraged in ourselves to know that there's more for us than against us. You're in a battle. I know you're sick and tired of it. But there's more for you than against you. Let's commit our way to the Lord. Let's stay committed to God's call. Let's make it, let's make it our aim to be people of prayer. Because listen, prayer releases angelic forces. A special strike force of God is dispatched when people pray. Let's commit ourselves to that. Endure, patiently endure, and boldly proclaim Jesus. Amen. So Lord, I just pray today that our eyes would be opened to the reality of what is going on in the world around us. And Lord, please help us. Lord, please help us not to get caught up with flesh and blood and not to make people our problem or to make the systems of our government or, or anything else a problem, Lord. I pray, God, that we would see what is behind all that we see. And that we would not only see the evil that is instigating it, that we would see the heavenly realms of your grace and of your glory that are surrounding the evil, Lord. And that our hearts would be filled with hope. And that we would realize, God, that we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done in the earth today. We pray. And Lord, I pray that you would make us victorious in whatever battles we're facing right now. God, show us how to live in such a way that we, see, we begin to see personal victories in our life today. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day.